Welcome to Father-Son Entertainment Talk, a podcast where a father and his son come together to bring you their views on life in various forms of entertainment. It's time. Let's do this. Welcome listeners to Father-Son Entertainment Talk. My name is Matthew Campbell. And my name is Ryan Campbell. Thank you for joining us. We have brought you a lot of different forms of entertainment, a lot of movies. We've talked about chess. And today we are going to bring to you a book called Where the Red Fern Grows. It was written by Wilson Rawls in 1961. And I know my dad is not a huge fan of books, so I was very happy when I convinced him that this would be great podcast material and he read it. While I'm not a a fan of reading because I feel like it takes a little bit too long to get through a book, I'll be honest, I was a fan of this book and I was a fan of reading this book because you asked me to do it. Yep. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. So you kind of answered my first question. What did you think of the book? Very good book. Yeah, very good book. It was uh, an interesting story about a a young boy that uh, loved to hunt and specifically hunt raccoons back in the, I'm assuming this was early 1900s that Mm -hmm. uh, this took place. It was not necessarily the retelling of a true story, but more based on a true story for the most part. And this boy just loved to hunt. And more than hunting, this boy really loved dogs and specifically hunting dogs. And he ended up getting a couple when he was really young. And I'll share a little bit about what I loved about the book here in a second. But just to wrap up the summary, it just follows the tales of this boy that would go hunting in the summer with his two dogs and ended up you know, doing some amazing things with those two dogs as the summers progressed. And then ultimately, as everything happens with life, people live, people die, animals live, animals die. And I won't give away the ending, but I definitely shedded a couple tears at the end. Yeah, likewise, I thought it was a very, very good book. And I am glad you enjoyed it. So what was your favorite part in the book? I know that there are a lot of great parts, a lot of memorable parts, but I want to hear yours. Oh, wow. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of memorable parts. There were parts somewhat towards the end where the actual main character, the boy, was involved in some contests with some other adult hunters, and he ends up doing really well in those contests. But honestly, my most enjoyable part of the book was just hearing about a boy who spent a large proportion of his time outside in God's wilderness and running around in the Ozark Mountains with his two dogs in the summers. Just really, really cool how going back to the early 1900s, I mean, that's what people did to have fun was be outside in God's nature and enjoying it. Yeah, that was very, very good point, Dad. I think that the outdoors were very, very prominent back then, and I think that was part of what made this book so interesting and very enjoyable. So how has this affected your love of reading? Do you think you'd be more willing to read books now? Well, there's no question I'm willing to read books for this purpose so that Mm -hmm. I can spend time with you and just talk about the books together. And for sure, if a good recommended book comes my way, I might absolutely pick it up. I'm going to recommend a book right here on live on our podcast, even though it's not live. One of the probably most beneficial books to me outside of the Bible, it was specifically beneficial to me in in my walk, was the book Case for Christ. So anyone that's seeking, that wants to understand the gospel and wants to understand the Bible and 
how it all fits together. Really, really incredible book, Case for Christ. Maybe we'll talk about that one, our podcast, in the future. Yeah, I'd be willing to do that. I love books about uh, Christ and other people's spiritual walk. So yeah, I'd be willing to read that and do a podcast with you on it at some point. So who is your favorite character? Uh, the grandpa, I think. So the main character had a grandpa who just supported him through this process of wanting dogs for so many years working so incredibly hard for a couple of years just to save up to be able to get these dogs. This boy who lived in the Ozark Mountains didn't necessarily come from a wealthy family. Uh, his dad and mom felt like, based on the story, it didn't really get into it too much, but that they lived off the land and they had a house in the middle of the mountains and miles and miles from any town. And it was the grandpa who owned this, felt like a country store of some sort, on the way to a town that really helped this boy to understand the, the meaning of hard work and the benefits of hard work and really helped him get to the, the stage of being able to not only own the dogs himself, but also participate in some of the contests later on in the book. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that the grandfather gave Billy, the main character, a lot of drive. He certainly had a very competitive spirit, but I did like his character. I thought he was very memorable and very likable. So I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here and ask you, how long did it take you to read the book? <laughs> well, as I talked about early on, I'm, I don't love reading books, mostly because it takes me so long to read them. And it's not that I'm a slow reader. I'm certainly not a fast reader, but I just end up getting through a chapter or half a chapter and I either get disinterested, distracted, or realize that I need to do something else. So this book probably took me about three to four weeks to read. And I know you probably could sit down and read this book in two days because you love to read and just something that's enjoyable to you. And frankly, especially now that it's summer, you have the time to sit around and, and read, which is fine by me. But for me, yeah, three weeks, four weeks, that's about the standard time to get through a 200 and 250 page book. Yeah, and I, I do want to thank you for, for taking the time to read this book. I know that with movies, it takes like 90 minutes out of your day, but I also know that you have work and you were able to fit uh, reading this book in, in between your work schedule, because, and I know that that is pretty tiring, so I do want to thank you for taking the time to read the book. Yeah, and this one was an easy read, so there were definitely times that I was reading and had a hard time putting the book down overall. That's good. My final question is, would you recommend this book to readers, people that are looking for a for an exciting classic? Would you recommend this to them? I would absolutely recommend this to readers, especially those that are looking to get into a book that really dives into the relationship between a boy and his dogs dives into what life was like back in even 30, 40 years ago, because I know it was took place much longer than 30, 40 years ago. But when you look back that time frame, life was a lot similar to what it was like in the early 1900s. Specifically, parts of the book where this boy, who's like 12, 13, maybe even 11 years old. He was 11 when it started. I think it was like 14 when it ended. Okay. Three years over the course of the book that yeah. he, he grew up. Yeah. And so early on in the book, when he was 11, there were situations where he was leaving home without his parents knowing and being away for overnight in the middle of the woods, just setting up a fire, getting through the night. And then he goes to town by himself. Town was like five miles away from his home. 
comes back, I think, with the dogs at that point and really apologizes to his parents. But his parents were not even that concerned. I mean, it was like, you know, that's a normal thing to do for an 11-year-old boy to run away from home and spend the night in the woods, which clearly is not the thing to do today. And probably not the thing to do back then, but a lot less concerning because kids did that. They were out all the time. And throughout the book, you hear about this boy who's in the middle of the night out in the woods with his parents' approval, hunting raccoons. And he doesn't come home till the morning. That's such a different world to the world that you are growing up in here today. And it really was different to the world that I grew up in. But I I remember times when I was 11, 12 years old and I was out playing in our backyard all day, playing wiffle ball, playing manhunt at night in the middle of the dark, nine, 10 o'clock at night, and having friends and chasing each other around in the middle of the dark outside. It's just a different time to what it's like today. Yeah, I agree. And it also seemed a lot more simple than it is now. So thank you so much, Dad, for answering some of my questions. I would like to, for the sake of our listeners, dive into a little bit of the research I did on Wilson Rawls, and you can throw in uh, some tidbits of information that you uncovered that I missed. Sounds good. He was a unique author, so I'm really interested on what the results of the research was that he did. So let's do it. Uh, Wilson was born in the early 1900s. He was born in 1913. He actually was born and raised in the very area that uh, this book that we have, that we were just discussing was based in. Yeah, and that was the Ozark Mountains in mm-hmm. the state of Missouri. Yep. He grew up with his with his parents and his five siblings. He had a bunch of brothers and sisters. I can't imagine what that was like. I only have one sister and she's handful and she's a handful <laughs> enough. It's true. He was homeschooled just like Billy in the book. And I think that from what I remember during my research, he actually based uh Billy off of himself a lot, which I thought was very, very interesting. Yeah, and a lot of the homeschool that I read about was literally just his mom giving him and his kids books to read. And, you know, obviously that's a part of schooling is is reading, but I think that was the best way she knew how to teach her kids about life and what they needed to do when they grew up and handing them books and having them read them was the best path there. He wasn't really that interested in books as a kid. I actually have a quote from him where he said, I thought that all books were about Little Red Riding Hood and Chicken Little, and I thought that those were girl stories. Then one day, Mama brought home a book that changed my life. It was a story about a man and his dog, Jack London's Call of the Wild. Yeah, I haven't read Call of the Wild, but I've heard it's a really good book and another good book for animal lovers. Yeah, I agree, and Wilson Rawls was definitely inspired by that book because he he grew up and wrote two classics, um, both of which were, well, I know one of which was very good, uh, Where the Red Fern Grows. I haven't read his other book. It was called Summer of Monkeys for anybody else that's read that. Yeah. And Summer of Monkeys came out, I believe in 1972. Also haven't read that. So anyone that has read it, that listens to our podcast, we'd encourage you to leave a message in the comments and let our listeners know whether or not it was worth the read. And uh, Wilson Rawls, he ended up dying in 1984 at the age of 71. But again, a really, really great author, really, really great books. So, Yeah, one of the things that I thought was cool about some of the things I found out about Wilson, number one, I believe there's multiple author dates 
for this book. 1961 is the official date. But Wilson, because he was homeschooled and his mom wasn't necessarily a teacher per se, wasn't teaching him all of the the details about the English language and, and how to write with perfect grammar. His first iteration of Where the Red Fern Grows was almost like chicken scratch, where he was writing this book that he really enjoyed writing, but the punctuation was awful to the point that it basically lacked punctuation. So no periods or anything. It was just run on sentences the whole time. And he just, he had a hard time writing correct grammar. And what what's interesting to me is that was like 1945 that he wrote this. Flash forward 16 years after he was married, he ended up quitting his job, telling his wife about the story. She told him, you have to write this. He ended up leaving the house to go to town after he was done writing it so she would have time to read it. He was totally expecting her to hate it when she called him. She said, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Get back home. We're going to keep writing. And apparently in the, the process of continuing to write, she basically rewrote it with all the correct grammar. And so it was a true tag team effort between husband and wife to get where the red fern grows to the finish line. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's a very interesting fact. I didn't know that. And thank you for throwing that out. All right. Well, thank you, Dad, for uh, reading uh, this book with me. I had a lot of fun talking about it with you. And for our listeners, if you haven't read it, I hope you will take the time to pick it up and read it. So we have some really great episodes lined up. The next one that we're going to be doing is where my grandfather, my dad's dad, will be coming on and you'll be doing a podcast with the three of us. And talking a little bit about what it was like for us when we grew up. I kind of hinted at some of those things here today in this episode, but it'll be really cool to hear three generations of what did you enjoy doing when you were growing up as a kid? Uh, a lot of people are really looking forward to this episode coming up. So uh, I think Matthew and I are also looking forward to it and really going to be enjoying some time with Matthew's grandfather and my dad. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. My name is Matthew Campbell. And my name is Ryan Campbell. Thanks for listening.